All right, I think we're live. Rob, can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Awesome, How about man. you guys? I'm good. Yeah, I'm, good. Ficky. I'm good over here. Awesome, Perfect. man. Ficky just got a new uh, Shore mic. Uh, he's testing yeah. it out. Yeah. You know? how, how, how's it feeling, Ficky? This is good. It's good. I know it's top quality. I've used them before, but it was more of like, have like a boom arm. So I'm like getting everything set up. So it's like easy to just like log okay. on and not have to move things, you know? So. Right, right, right. Awesome, man. Well, Rob, we appreciate you joining us, man. I know it's late. How you feeling? How was your day, man? You've been breaking down film all like literally since the morning. Yeah, pretty much. Since last night into the morning. It's been a wild day. I mean, my wife's out of town. She'll get home here in uh, about an hour and a half uh, from a trip to New York. And so I was balancing baby and football, and it was it was a heck of a day. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like it. I'm stuck. I'm ready. Whatever Absolutely. you throw at me, I'm ready. <laughs> well, hey, you've done this before. You used to do this last year, right? As far as these kind of film streams where you Still kind of basically break down. will. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just seen your tweet. Yeah. What does that schedule look like? Have you gotten that like nailed down yet? So assuming I've got the time for it, time's, time's the big factor, man. I, yeah. I This is going to sound so hokey, but if it isn't good, I won't put it out. Like, it, and so because my quality bar is pretty high, I can't spend two hours on a video and just cut, paste, put it on YouTube. So I'm going to put my thoughts in order here over the next probably a couple hours after this and figure out what I would stick into like a 10, 15 minute breakdown, which thank God why we are going to spend. I'm so glad that we're going over preseason film, but we are going over to preseason film too much. Like there's there's a healthy balance, right? That you got to strike when you're talking about preseason film you gotta know what you're looking for because i feel like there's a lot of people especially dave like ficky i'm sure you guys have already seen some of this a lot of people want very specific things out of the preseason so they'll watch the game and they're going to say how can i justify saying that darnell wright looks like an all pro from this film and you already have the narrative exactly and it's not that darnell wright looks bad to me it looks like the bears kind of hit him on purpose, and I think that's a good thing. Like, okay, so Tennessee listed Darnell Wright at 335, right? I don't know if you guys have heard me spiel about this. There's mm-hmm. no way he wasn't 350. No He's way a big boy. he wasn't He's 350. Huge. Big dog. Could have been 360. At the Senior Bowl, he weighed in at 342. At the Combine, he weighed in at 333. Then he said over the summer, he lost 16 pounds. Can you guys imagine? What it would be like going from, uh, like, honestly, just imagine moving around in your day-to-day, having lost 35 pounds. Completely different person, right? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't yeah. It would be weird if Darnell Wright looked comfortable out there. He's in a whole new body. Like, mm-hmm. the block that he made on that sweet uh, toss-crack like play where he got out into space and hooked his defender and, like, plunked himself into the other defender. Oh, that was nice. Like, that's good stuff. You want to see him moving in space just like he was. But some of the pass pro, he's still figuring out his footwork. It wasn't so long ago that Panay will had the same problem. Andrew Thomas before him and Evan Neal most recently in New York, among other tackles. Like, it... But anyways, all that to say that when you set the narrative aside, you can go see some real stuff. Like, I didn't see Jatiree Carter coming. Did you guys? You know what I'm yeah, talking no. about? No, because no, last year the- he didn't look 
because last year he didn't look like that great, right? It was it looked like a project. So when the talks, because I'm not like a big tape guy, I like to watch people like Rob, like you, to get my information. So once I saw a lot of people talking about it, I was like, hey, wait a minute, what's going? This is the guy that we were saying was basically garbage last year, or like you know he was a no name. So it's kind of interesting to see that he was a top, you know, when it comes to grading wise and like on tape that he was one of the top dogs from last week because you would never would expect that. At least I wouldn't have. Exactly. I mean, so many of these guys grow a ton from their first to their second year. What doesn't get talked about enough, and if you ever want a party trick at a football thing and you want to sound smart, here you go, is pe people don't rem or remember that these draft picks spent actual time practicing the 40-yard dash, practicing the like 20-yard shuttle, practicing the broad jump. So instead of practicing football, Dave, they practiced jumping, working out in underwear, and tuning their body up to test as well as possible. Everybody does. But it means that the moment they get drafted, they go to rookie minicamp, they get doused with a playbook, they hit OTAs, they're off for a couple weeks and they're back at training camp immediately. That moment from January to what? I guess the next, like, May, when OTAs roll around, is their first professional offseason. And it's why you see guys tend generally take their biggest step between years one and two. Obviously, for some positions like tight end, quarterback, it's more complicated than that. But for somebody like Carter uh, Ficky, he's a seventh-round pick. You're not expecting anything from him. The fact that they that he made the 53 is a big it's deal great. last year yeah, and, and stayed runner. on it. And so this is that season where you're like, okay, Carter, show me a little something. And I honestly thought – his tape reminded me a lot of Nate Davis, ironically. Like, he looks stout in pass pro. His hand usage was really surprising. Good. Thank you. Yes. Like, I, I posted up. <laughs> five of his reps instead of, like, 30 because I was like, nobody cares. <laughs> about, about hey, we get I think a lot we of do. people actually do. And <laughs> like you said, I think as far as, like, the preseason, it is just preseason. I think the big thing with Justin Fields is that overanalyzing those three – um, you know, passes is just way too ridiculous. But there is a lot of other cool yes. – like if, if you're watching other players like Jatar, uh, Carter, um, Darnell Wright, Tyreek Stevenson, there's so many young guys that are just intriguing to watch. Oh, I yeah. can't wait for next Saturday too. But this is the – I think this is what you're talking about, the clip with Carter here. So mm -hmm. I'm going to go ahead and play it, just let it go through. But what did you, what did you see from the film um, from, from last Saturday? So what really impresses me is when an offensive lineman's feet – look really sound and if you watch carter not only is he channeling power well through his lower body but his footwork is deliberate play that one again play the pass pro uh clip again because a lot of guys can run block but watch him in a true iso one-on-one -on -one pass yeah, one -on -one. Rep, the second wow. one in the clip um where you're gonna see you're gonna see Carter step inside, counter back the other way, and the entire rep through, he's got complete control of his man. And I don't know if anybody realizes this, but Carter for offensive guards actually has 77th percentile arms. He's got relatively long arms for the true interior. And when you watch him pass protect, he looks like it. He's getting his hands out. He's landing them on his man, and he's controlling that point of impact as he basically massages his man back towards the quarterback, but not too far. It looks 
very reminiscent of the way that the Packers have been running offensive line for forever. Think about all those guys that you guys grew up watching that were holding but not. And Carter looks exactly the same way. Get the hands on the shoulder pads, what like slowly but surely stop their momentum. And Carter's feet, like the hand usage is great. It really is. The power that he generates, I love that. That snap right there. He gets that hand out there, taps him on the shoulder, and then re-engages. Like he actually looks like he's got a pass or pass protection plan in many cases. So it's it's wow. fun. <laughs> yeah, like, I got a question for you. Do we feel the level of competition, right? Because obviously preseason, I think people don't take right. this into factor, right? Well, I know you do, but like as a general, sometimes we don't know like well, how good was the competition that he was going in, going against in that game. So based off that, do you, I mean, obviously there was no Aaron Donalds out there and things like that as you never would is. expect, but yeah, as there shouldn't <laughs> be, there should never be. But uh, do, you, do, you, do you still feel confident that if there was someone maybe of higher, you know, skill set, do you think he would? as per performed at least at a foundational kind of level there? Well, that's where things get weird, Ficky, because people forget how bad the average NFL lineman is against guys like Aaron Donald. Like, you need to be able to hold your own against an Andrew Billings or a Demarcus Walker-type player, like a mm -hmm. baseline NFLer, yeah. before you're going to have a average. shot against a star. Don't, it's not too long ago that, what, in 2020, Alex Bars got thrown out there against Vita Vea against the Buccaneers, and Vita Vea ate his lunch i mean I remember that it, what i look at when i'm watching a player like carter because like you're saying you can't you can't put them up against aaron donald in a game like this because that's just not going to happen i thought carter's reps against the twos like those first couple reps he looked capable out in space he looked like he was in control and the form looks good let's put it this way it's it's like look at it's like walking into a weight room Seeing somebody's benching, they're not sweating, their form looks good, they're they're pushing weight, and you say, okay, I think we could do a little bit more. Is he going to have problems? Is that form going to break down when we play against better players? We won't know, but I can tell you a guy like Alex Leatherwood, his feet didn't look as strong as somebody like Carter's, and I would look at a guy like that and say, you know there are going to be problems when faster, bigger, stronger players come to play. But with somebody like Carter – you see all the right things. Enough of these lights are green that you say, hey, if he gets thrown in there in a depth role, maybe he surprises us. It's why we don't have to campaign for him to be the starter, which thank God, right? right. But instead we can look and we can say, okay, if he and Lucas Patrick are depth interior linemen, this looks like a relatively capable player that can step yeah, in and turn out. That's snaps. what I was going to say. Because a seventh rounder, right? We're not expecting you. like if you become a starter, that's great. That's like wow, right? Obviously, you probably as a seventh rounder, you will probably find higher talent. But if, if if we have a seventh rounder, like you said, the expectation is sometimes those guys don't make the team. So if right. we have a seventh rounder that can be a serviceable backup, because as we know, offensive linemen get injured all the time in the trenches. Right. That's a great that's a great find and development. So I'd be very happy and comfortable with that. It, it also one other thing that I didn't get in here is that uh, he he being Carter is doing the same thing that Nate Davis does where when he doesn't get engaged, he looks to help the guys next to him. I think that's going to be really core for a bears team. That's starting a rookie tackle. So I, I love Darnell Wright here for Darnell Wright. I think Darnell Wright is a great choice and I don't regret passing on Jalen Carter because the bears got that piece at offensive line that has to develop. But I see drafting a rookie tackle. 
almost any rookie tackle. I don't care if you're taking Paris Johnson, uh, Darnell Wright, Broderick Jones. It's you're buying an egg and you got to wait for the chicken. You're buying a seed. You got to wait for the fruit. Like you, if the bears had taken Jalen Carter, their defensive line would be better, but the rookie tackle they draft next year, you still would have bought an egg and you would have had to wait until 2025 best case scenario. I don't think the timeline fit. So having guards next to right that are able to look over his direction and capably help him out, I think is going to help right focus on defending the edge and not focusing so much on two-way play. He basically saying to himself, okay, on this play, if I get beat inside, I've got a guard helping me out. I've got a running or I've got a running back coming into chip for me instead of having to basically play on an island. Braxton Jones may not be the kind of tackle you want to leave on an island forever, but at least he's got more experience there. Uh, than Darnell Wright does, and that's great because, look, the Bears' offensive line is much better than it was last year. It's still a work in progress, and to me, especially with guys like Tevin Jenkins that haven't finished the season, Cody Whitehair that's been nicked nicked and bruised up recently, I think it's a positive that a guy like Carter emerges here, Ficky, and we say, okay, you know what? Worst-case scenario, we're not starting Rashad Coward. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. It's like our depth has gotten so much better because our starting talent has gotten better. So obviously mm-hmm. people get pushed down, which is good. And it just reminded me this. Uh, I got PTSD when you talked about going to help other people out, but it reminds me of Mustafer, where there'd be yep. so many clips of where he'd have no one to block and that man would just like look around and I'm like, bro, go find someone, go help out yep. someone. It, it'd be hilarious. So yeah, it's good to see that because obviously I think Darnell Wright's a great pick, like you said, double down on that, but it's a rookie tackle we saw that braxton jones braxton jones had a good year as a rookie rookie yep it doesn't mean he was a, a top 15 top 30 tackle in the league he wasn't he had a good year as a rookie so we're gonna expect some you know sacks to come through on that side so oh yeah i mean you have to that if there's <laughs> if there's one thing that i think can be kind of a problem sometimes it's that everybody everybody wants to love we all love football and we love the bears and we want to love these players. Right. And so that turns into Gervon Dexter is going to be amazing, which becomes <laughs> Gervon Dexter is going to be amazing as a rookie. And we can start to go, we, we can start to go. It's just not realistic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the big problem that I have with that, David, the whole, the only reason I talk about it, I, I am not here to wag anybody's or to wag a finger at anybody. I'm here to say, don't set Dexter up to be somebody he isn't, or you are going to end up mad at him. And nobody wants to be mad at the team that they like, right? If we're aware of what these guys will be, then we won't, then it won't shock us when Gervon yeah, Dexter. Expectations. Yeah, Gervon Dexter and Zach Pickens were both major project defensive linemen. I mean, Dexter's got natural power, and we can see if you scroll like way, way, way up. Uh, You'll see one rep. There's like eight of these, uh, if if not more. But like Jay McNabb's talking about, Dexter, interestingly enough, everybody knows that he's a little slow off the snap and that he's playing too high. I think everybody's heard those two comments enough times to numb the brain. But what I thought is most interesting about Dexter is that he's not losing initial contact in many cases. Like right here, you can see that his pad level through that initial hit isn't the issue it's when he returns to his natural playing position that he rises way too far up and i mean 
he just got to football. I think he started playing his senior year, if I'm remembering correctly, of high school. So it, some of this stuff isn't fundamental to him because he doesn't have some extreme Pop Warner background. But with Dexter, it's going to take time. <laughs> well, Rob. If you're looking for flash plays, I actually think you're better look at, or you're better off looking at Zach Pickens because he's got a sweet first step and long arms that can create problems when the play happenstantially favors him. Let's put it that way. He's not a two-gapping defensive tackle, but it, like we saw with that, uh, with the stunt where Pickens got his sack, he just blasted through the defensive line because the guard basically played him wrong, looped around, and picked up a sack. Bilal Nichols had like three sacks his first year off of being unblocked. It happens sometimes with defensive linemen. With Dexter, we're going to need to wait a little bit to see the full package come together, and that's totally fine. Yeah. But and I, 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 do, and I think yeah. the they did that on purpose, Robert, because I think what mm -hmm. we've seen with polls and his moves in both two drafts now is that he's really putting a lot of – you know, uh, I guess you'd say a lot of hope in coaching, right? He gets these guys with some raw talent, right? That have, you know, uh, the stuff you can't teach size, length, speed, things like that. And then he's hoping that within exactly. a year, you know, with the coaching staff that they'll get it down. We saw that last year with Dominic Robinson. We're seeing it now with Pickens and uh, Dexter. Yep. And so, you know, that's why I think that if we can go in with that, ex first, there should be just the expectation of rookies are not, they're not all Jamar Chase and, Justin Jefferson it's just you don't get that okay no. when they come out of the league they don't just blazing saddles so understand that these are rookies that should be the first level and the second thing understand the type of rookies which we're drafting which are more projects which you hope in two three years line up with like some of these other guys we have fields peak that it's like okay now we have a bunch of dogs on the team at least oh, that's yeah. my opinion well, especially because like you have to acknowledge the human element for us to really ac or access like the beauty of tape analysis. And no, it's not me trying to get highfalutin. It's me talking about how Ficky, one of these guys, Gervon Dexter, just got drafted. He's living one of the best years of his life already. And yes, he's working hard, right? But if you ask him about his mindset, he's going to tell you pretty much only good things because he has no expectations. He's probably going to get playing time. And he's got a guaranteed contract for four years. The guy across from him could very well be a 29-year-old grown man trying to make sure that every with every single snap that he does what he can to keep food on the table for his daughter and his brand new son, right? Like these guys are living their life and the veterans, especially like they've spent five years in the league, learning offensive line technique, five years in the league, like battling, scraping for their, for their job. And now if they get cut, they're going to have to explain to their wife and child that they're moving again. And that they're going to change schools <laughs> and that all their friends are like, they're just going to have to leave them where they are. Like it's a different motivation. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. And, and that's, that's fine. It just means that rookies, like there's a lot to get in the NFL football as a profession and not as a hobby, like technique yeah. beyond just what works in college, getting beyond that, like what getting beyond just whatever was working for you there against guys that were on scholarship, but that's about the end of it. Right. I love taking guys that are raw balls of athletic clay, Noah Sewell, Gavon Dexter, Zach Pickens. Sure. Of course I would have loved the Steelers Keanu Benton, but all the guys that I would tell you, I would have preferred got picked, got picked earlier. Like that that's part of why 
I get that there have been some Bears fans that have complained about the different picks, but honestly, I feel like the board just got picked clean right around 51, 52, you know? And to be fine. honest, I'm I'm on the narrative now where, or I guess the, the how should I say this? I approach the draft differently now. At the end of the day, right, I have no idea what these guys are going to be. None of us do. Right. So I don't even think it's fair to even complain at the beginning because these are all just lottery tickets. Right. <laughs> that are very with a lot of complex variables, a bunch of them and nuances that are going to determine if these guys are stars or not. So I feel like, you know, let like maybe after a year, you can start to have some questions. Right. Like how I feel about Valus. Like, hey, maybe catch a point here or two. Right. Let's figure that out. But I, I feel like from the beginning, there's just there's so much they have to learn. It's just like when you get a oh, new yeah. job, right? I can't determine how well you're going to be within the first week on the job, right? I need to see you actually do stuff, learn stuff, pick it up, and apply it. And so, and there's right. going to be mistakes along the way too. So, I agree completely. But I do have a question for you. Uh, yeah. That someone in the comments had. Do you think Dexter will be the one and Pickens the three? They can be interchangeable. But it seems uh, they're working on putting them in the opposite positions. So, uh, generally speaking, BT. I would have expected that Pickens would be the 3T and Dexter would be the one tech. But what I keep seeing, so in the in the first drive, I wish I had the tape. Sorry, I don't. Uh, the Bears lined up. They had Justin Jones. Uh, I think they were on a basic over front. So they had Justin Jones on the play side, run straight, three technique, and they had Andrew Billings, his backside one technique, right? Followed so far. Uh, <laughs> in that, Justin Jones ate the double team. Generally, you're not expecting your three technique to eat right. the double team, but the wider that teams are getting in their run game, the less we're trying to run between the tackles and the more often we're running off tackle, we're running wide zone, we're running stretch runs as far as we can get, the more often I wonder if they're acting as if the three technique has to be a primary run stuffer. I could very well be just like, work reasoning my way into something that doesn't make sense to be honest with you because traditionally <laughs> speaking the three technique absolutely should be your quicker lighter pass rusher that you can put one-on-one -on -one and he can go whoop people like the forest buckner but i wonder if the bears are attempting to anticipate a like a wider stretching run game that they're going to face on a week-to-week -week basis especially because guys in their division detroit and uh or you know detroit and Minnesota, and Green Bay, thinking about all of them, come from Shanahan-esque roots in their offense. I, I Not quite Ben Johnson, but he does a lot of the wide-running stuff too. And that means you've got to be ready to defend the edges of the defense first and force them up the middle, where if you lose there, well, I guess you just take your loss. But I, I don't know. I would have expected. Do you guys have a take on this? Because I would have expected the bigger, stronger Dexter to play one technique and the lighter Pickens to play three right. technique. But there's, they have to have a reason. It makes sense to them. And yeah, I trust. I trust them. To so it doesn't. It is. Yeah, I don't know yet either. I, so I trust them because they know the guys better than I do. So I'm not upset with either. But yeah, when they were first drafted. Yeah. It made sense. You thought the big giant would be the guy who blocks up both holes, right? Because because he already he's big enough to do so, you know. But speaking we'll, we'll of see. Big, speaking of big giant, Andrew Billings is a huge person. Like ginormous. I knew, I knew he was big. <laughs> if you've got the Billings reel, you can you can go back to that one. But like early on, Billings was getting thrown around. It's preseason for everybody, and it kind of looks like he was letting guys get under his pads. Watching him on the goal line, like he ate his Wheaties and got 
after it because uh, <laughs> let's see it's that first rep you're gonna see he the guy gets under his pads and just blows him off the ball on this double team you can see Ooh. him getting walked back and he, he throws himself all or like throws the guy off but he got blown off the ball and then immediately he Good gets rep. into this penetrates elijah hicks comes off his back and then right here he just Ooh. rips this guy all the way <laughs> into the backfield underneath like he's a massive person and the bears can use a hog like that on the interior because they're gonna need him i actually think it's almost discomforting how much of the bears defensive line play like especially against the run might hinge on a guy that's now on his third one-year deal like he's exactly the kind of player the bears need they don't really have a backup right so maybe that becomes dexter but it sure isn't pickens like you can look at andrew billings and what he's doing right now and know that he's not taking on it or that zach pickens is not doing that and taking on a double team but it is wild i i'm curious with the bears by the way the hidden the hidden X factor here is Demarcus Walker, who's really big for a defensive end. Like he could feasibly play three tech because I think he plays at like a natural 290, whereas most defensive ends are closer to 265. So I'm curious as to whether the Bears have some weird plan for their defensive line. They played Justin Jones at defensive end at one point. So they yeah, definitely don't that. like the elephant end, as I've heard it You're called. So there was a lot of stunts too. Uh, I when I was talking to Dave about it, it seems like they had. I mean, it seemed like they they not only were they moving people and shifting people all around the line, but also stunts where it ended up a lot of the inside guys were outside. So it'll be interesting to see how, you know, is 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 our D line becoming like positionless in a way? Obviously, like your main edges are on the outside, but even with Demarcus Walker, like he's gonna most of his sacks last year went those from the inside. So it's gonna be interesting to see. Oh, yeah. Other than I mean, Yannick, Yannick's going to be on the outside. But other than him, like, I don't really know who's playing where most of their snaps. That's one of the things with Flus. So, look, I there are a lot of people out there that really hate running cover two. I mean, the, the hotness right now is a 3-4 defense with close to positionless players. You get that hybrid safety linebacker like Fred Warner, like Roquan Smith. And we've obviously seen Roquan Smith in the Fangio defense. We've seen Roquan Smith completely uh, neutered, let's call it what it is, within the Bears <laughs> framework. And then we saw him get traded to Baltimore and immediately pop off and say what you will about defensive recognition. The guy is a maniac when he's put in position to do that. I, I can't help wondering, because there are a lot of people talking about uh, Matt Eberflus's defense like it's an antiquated vintage piece. And I see him adding guys like Kyler Gordon. I see him adding these bigger defensive ends that could theoretically kick inside. I, I see a lot of these players that can play, they can wear different hats, Vicky. And it, I, <laughs> silly as it is, I asked myself whether the Bears are trying to create a retro future defense in or through this cover two framework where they apply the positionless offense principles to guys like Terrell Smith, who could be corner and also safety. Guys like, uh, Tyreek Stevenson, who's an outside corner with a nickel background from playing the star role at Georgia, like Kyler Gordon, who could flex outside if he needs to. I have no idea what the Bears are planning to do. I really don't. And I think Matt Eberflus will tell us a lot through what comes next here. But it is intriguing that the Bears signed two Mike linebackers. Like, TJ Edwards isn't a will. 
by trade. No, and Tremaine Edmonds Mike. isn't a will by trade. So they they got two mics on purpose. They have some kind of plan <laughs> here. So I'm really yeah. interested to see what they come up with. It seems like they're just getting all these like athletes, like high potential or just like freaks of nature and just saying, hey, we'll, we'll put you on the field somewhere. We'll figure it out. Like right. if it, whatever we were going to move, basically like what how Honey Badger was like, we're going to have a bunch of you and just throw you all around. Because if you're if you're that talented and you have that great of play recognition, you'll be able to make plays no matter where we put you. So it seems like that anyways. We'll right. have to see how it actually works out this year. So, so Rob, you, you mentioned Tyreek Stevenson there. Um, I want to jump to him uh, because I, I was watching his tape. I was very excited, one, to watch him on Saturday. Um, I want to know kind of what you thought of his play. Obviously, you kind of tweeted a lot about it, uh, but there's a competition at cornerback. And yeah. for me, I think it's personally done. I, I don't think there's a chance that Smith, uh, Stevenson, you know, barring like injury or something like that, that he doesn't you know, win this spot. So, but what, what, what did you see on the film? I'm going to go to you, you, this is like a two minute clip here. You broke down a just ton of things. It. Yeah. I'm going to roll it. You just kind of tell us what you saw. <laughs> so one thing I always look at with corner, first of all, Stevenson was always probably going to start because he's yeah. a second round pick. I mean, as sometimes you got to follow the money in the NFL and the investment, they traded up for him. No less was always going to lead to him winning the competition, though a competition's good for everybody. With corner, what I'm always looking for is a corner is a player. Give me somebody that can at least take a couple downs away. Make me a couple of plays. We start there. A lot of people want a lockdown corner, but I want a corner that's competitive and forces the opponent to be perfect. Right. Like if you're going to complete something on your corner, you want them to have to work for it, put the ball in the right place. And if they make a mistake, you'll knock it away or maybe just maybe you'll pick it off with Stevenson. I think you see the athletic potential plain as day. You can see that he can move like right here. He gets beat on an inside uh, drag route that pretty much nobody wouldn't get beat on unless you have absolute just you're one of the fastest players alive. But his pursuit, he catches up to the or to his man and makes the tackle on a play where I've seen a ton of fast players in the NFL pull away, turn the corner, and pick up almost 30 yards. I mean, it's small beans, but it's more that you can see the long speed that Tyreek Stevenson has because he tested really well at 40, and you can see why here. I do think he's still having issues flipping his hips. That's a major I wouldn't call it a problem area, but in his college tape, the moment that he flips his hips, he loses a lot of speed and momentum. And so that's an area that he's going to have to navigate more than likely with contact, which is something he really likes. And he didn't get to hit people a lot with his hands or collision them at the top of their route. But I loved the first, uh, if you can back it all the way up to the very first rep, that's one of my favorites. And the main reason I wanted everybody to see it first, where Stevenson anticipates the out route and just sticks with him, glues to him. And Malik Willis, I think it's Malik. It might be Levis. It's hard to tell. Well, Levis. Um, but it, or he has to flush out and can't pick up the third down because Stevenson's his primary read. And so once Stevenson shuts this route down, there's no pretending you can go there with the ball. Uh, and that's okay. Let me see. Dante, Tyreek, or DJ Turner. It, it all depends uh, on which kind of defense you're running. DJ is an electric inside guy that can play a little bit of outside. Stevenson is tailor-made for this cover two flat defender role. And as we saw, he can come up and hit better than he ever did in college. I mean, in college, he actually missed 17.1% of his tackles. You guys tell me. 
Does that sound like a good number? 17.1% missed tackle rate? That's not – well, that's pretty low, isn't it? If you only missed 17.1% of your tackles you missed? Oh, that's pretty high. <laughs> not trying to lead you to water, but hmm. – No, that's that, a good amount. He missed <laughs> ton of tackles almost one in five and we're especially since you're not yeah especially because as a corner it's not like you're tackling all the time so like that's right and if you're tackling as a corner it's normally to the edge that probably leads to a lot of extra yards like your tackles kind of mean more so yeah you need to need to have those much much lower percentage couldn't this is random this is random but whenever i see 29 i'm still not used to it but i see Tariq cohen like i, I don't know why it pops in my mind but i'm just like why is he on defense you know why is he so tall you know why Stevenson's like two Tariqs when it comes to height so. yeah i mean uh, two uh Tariq cohen's we all know there's an even bigger even bigger mental hurdle and that's watching terrell lewis i can't do it oh babe. mac yeah like, i keep seeing yeah. Mac. i'm oh, like stop my, my brain's on. like clear Mac. stop and hey that guy when he wins he wins so terrell lewis and travis gibson is going to be a really interesting battle i thought travis gibson played his butt off run defense pass Jesus, defense everywhere. he did a little bit of everything i mean yeah, he, he was, was he was a maniac and that's awesome the only problem for a guy like travis is that the tools that he's using to win are okay what just everybody ride with me they are second tier Right, he doesn't have a move that is going to beat Tristan Wirfs more than likely. He has a combination of moves that might take advantage of a mental mistake or a tired offensive tackle, which is why he's had so much success in a rotational role because it's kind of like bringing in Marion Barber on those old Dallas Cowboys in the fourth quarter, where he'd just yeah. ram the opposing defense that had no legs and beat them into submission. Whereas a guy like Terrell Lewis. His dip around the edge and his bend are outrageous. If he's, a, it's kind of like Yannick Ngakwe, honestly. Like he's only got one to two things that he's really going to do, but he can do them really well. Problem is for him, he's not quite as complete a player as Travis Gibson, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears like him more, if only because they just brought him in and they listed Travis on the very, very, very bottom of yeah, the depth last. chart. Like, I don't know what's going on. Travis, though, another comment to make here. Travis Gibson in 2021, I think, had like a 90 PFF grade rushing the passer. I mean, he was an animal. Travis has done this before. He wins a lot of the preseason because when he finally gets put up against tackles that are, let's say, at his level, he's got a lot of things that he can do to beat them. The problem is, just like with Darnell Wright, the starting tackles in the NFL are aliens. They're not of this world. The starting edge rushers in the NFL are aliens. They're not of this world either. So if you are a mortal human being, what do you do against David Bakhtiari? What do you do against, it used to be like Taylor Lewan. What do you do against these starting tackles across the NFL that are as good as they are? We'll have to see what the Bears ultimately do. I would have a hard time cutting travis gibson after performance like that especially yeah. as consistent as he was but both he and lewis had really nice games always going to be tough to uh, i'm i believe in finding an edge rusher that's capable that got cut by another team like i believe in the sasquatch i i don't think it happens so no they got cut terrell <laughs> lewis yeah right like i want terrell lewis to prove me wrong a little bit but the reps he won on it looks great it was really That's great. great.
Here's a question for you on the on the last one about the tackle rate right, that we have from Drunk Ryan Poles. He said, "What's the average tackle miss rate for corners?" Into the in college, I wish I knew. I pulled that stat off of somebody else doing a bunch of research, having a subscription that I didn't own. But <laughs> it, I, if I had to guess, I'd probably be around eight uh, percent total total pulling it off the top of my head. But you see a lot of rate stats like drop rates generally hover around five to seven percent miss tackle rates maybe you'd get like eight to ten percent but i'll tell you from watching his miss tackle rate felt higher than that because chances are a miss tackle rate includes tackles that you assisted on like half tackles assisted tackles that they get lumped in and those are hard to miss because when somebody else has already yeah, locked up your work. man yeah, you're not you're not doing anything. When Tyreek was attacking downhill, it felt to me like he missed one in three tackles, uh, which was not good. But he, today or Saturday, so big too. It's like mm-hmm. come he'd on. throw his shoulder out there. He he'd just dive and, and completely wave a miss. The, but, Bo, the Bojack treatment. I love yeah. Bojack. That's my man. But yes, that's the Bojack treatment. <laughs> but uh, but today, man, Flus has him using his arms. He's using all of his length to his advantage, and he looks violent out there. I thought it was fun. I mean, in the preseason, you want to see if the guy's got the mental attitude to declare that he belongs. And I thought Stevenson made his mark on the game, which is all I'm really looking for from a rookie. I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking low bars here. Got performances like we saw from Pickens and Dexter. To me, that's pretty NFL normal. Tyler Scott looked completely invisible. He had one catch and he fumbled it almost immediately. This is normal. That's that's normal. It's your first game against grown men that do this for a living. Guys like Nathan Peterman have seen more NFL action than all of them put together. And they probably spent college making fun of Nathan Peterman. Right. Yeah, like right. it's it's a weird experience. I imagine it's the, it's the first day on the job. That's what it is. It's literally like your awkward first day on the job. Yeah. Things are going to happen that like after your first day, even your second day, you come back and you go like, oh, OK, I feel so much better. Like I feel way more comfortable. Don't have as much jitters and nervousness and all that stuff. You're not overthinking as much. So and that's why it, I don't get too high on it or too and, low on it. And none of it's game planned. Like you got to think no strategy. It. You got to think about how like Christian Watson can go to bed knowing that third play of the game, he's going like the Packers are going to call something on the first first down. Better way to put it. The Packers may know that on the first first down they pick up, they are going to send in a play that's going to be a double move on the outside. And if they Mm -hmm. get cover three, Christian Watson's going to be wide open and they know. Because of the way that they game planned it and the way they know the Vikings run their defense. So Christian Watson, Dave, can go to bed at night thinking, visualizing, like, okay, this is what that cover three alignment would look like. And if we get it, I'm going to run my route exactly like this and I'm going to be wide open. Not in the preseason. You have no idea what calls that like, are going to get out of it. Yeah, you, you, don't have, you don't know which line. Like is going to be blocking for which quarterback you don't like PJ and Peterman and uh, Badgett throw completely different balls and you've probably caught balls from all of them. So the way that you run that in or the way that you run that slant is going to be completely different. It is a mess. <laughs> for the- yeah, you have such interchanging people like rotations and stuff. And you don't even know when those are happening. So there's like it reminds me of like sometimes where a team will lose when the second string quarterback comes in is because they had they didn't game plan at all. Like when the quarterbacks are different and you're like, they should have not won. But if you if they were to like the next week, that's that QB two 
goes out and the team game plans from the last half of the other game and just destroys them, right? Because they spent all their time knowing that this is the guy we're going against yep. and not this guy. And this, yep. you have so many, this guy, that guy, this guy, that guy, that I don't even know, like, what do you, you can't game plan. It's like physically impossible. So it's, so, it's know, impossible. It and it's, it. it's super taboo. Like <laughs> not, not that you're not trying to win in the preseason. But it's, as I understand it, everybody wants an evaluation tool. They want every snap to be right. geared towards the best evaluation possible. So <clears throat> hammering one corner that you think kind of sucks doesn't help the other team's other corner get better. Like, not that the, the other team is tipping a cap and intentionally targeting one corner over another, but you're supposed to spread the ball around even within your vanilla offenses. It's such a song and dance, it seems like. And then you look at a guy like uh, you 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 look at a guy that like the Bears opening opening offense, and they didn't call a single drop back. And then suddenly PJ comes <laughs> no. into the game, and they're like, "All right, we're <laughs> dropping back now." It's like so many. Yeah. So many drops, bunch backs. of drops, deep balls. Were, I was like, "Yo, it's what like is they felt like on? they needed to catch up." <laughs> so, um, in his first pick, I mean, his first throw was an interception too, Rob. And have you taken a look at that play yet? It's, is it just a miscommunication, or is it just on PJ? I don't know what he's doing. Yeah, because <laughs> it looked like EQ was open, right? Or so as I've always that seen that run, it's it's basically like you've got a big curl route that's supposed to occupy the mm -hmm. underneath defender or one of the interior corners. And then behind it, you've got a huge post and the post against like cover two looks is going to get converted to like a big out or a crosser over the middle. You're going to flatten it. So yeah. instead of what up here, you're going to go down like that. And PJ threw the post. I don't know what he thought he saw, but it wasn't there. And EQ <laughs> flattens it out and runs to space. I'm not saying EQ definitely would have been open because I took one look and was like, oh, that's bad. I, and thankfully for PJ, he's got multiple games worth of NFL starting tape that back him up as a better player than that. So you could chalk that one up to some weird preseason miscommunication or a shot play that they were convinced well, that they absolutely had to take. There were reports in camp that it seemed like he's been overthrowing a lot. But again, I... Yeah, inaccurate. I, yeah, but I'm almost like PJ Walker's a better QB2 than what we had last year, right? So overall, it's still, I think, an upgrade. So I can't – I'm not going to spend my time being mad or upset with the backup quarterback. <laughs> Ideal world, that man is never touching the field right? at all. So I, let's break it down. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I tend thought, to I thought that was Robert actually talking. That's why I, I, I was like, I was like oh boy, that's me. Uh, <laughs> I I tend to see so much hand wringing about like I I try to be as realistic as possible. Bears scored on man, basic people will wring their hands. The Let's Nothing. break it down and see what interesting me, Dave, quarterback. Wait a second, sorry, David's playing. I think. All right, gotcha. Not bad. Go ahead, Robert. You're good. The, the backup quarterback is important, but like I, I think Simeon to Walker is a little more of a wash. If anything, mm -hmm. Simeon's got a little bit more NFL expertise, but Simeon's not going to be near as comfortable in such a boot-heavy offense. Like the yeah. Bears seem as if they are geared to run an offense that does next to no true dropback passing. I mean, we'll see. The Bears could prove me wrong. Me. But my guess, if I had to make one now, is that they're going to try to do the or the 
full Shanahan style offense where they Movement. pretty much run on every down or they run play action or they run a glance RPO and they keep piling guys into the formation so that they can draw out more linebackers so that they can punish those linebackers with guys like DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, and Chase Claypool. The Bears have too many receivers. Yeah, the Bears have too many receivers not to pass the ball a decent clip, but I think they're going to couch it all in moving pockets, running the ball, and all the tips and tricks that they thought they were going to do last year, but they ended up starting Lucas Patrick, and then Patrick got hurt, and then they were starting Schofield, and then Schofield got hurt, and then they were starting Mustafer immediately. Like, it, the line got so bad that they couldn't even hold a play-action block, and Fields is holding onto the ball too long. So it was yeah. a car collision of all of the worst things that you could imagine within the Bears' offense. So this year, I imagine they're going to basically try to get back to that basic and throw a decent amount. I can't promise anything. I don't even know if it'll work, but it is going to be a big year, obviously for Justin to show that he yeah. can throw the rock a little bit. And if he can, I really think the offense is going to open up pretty exponentially. The good. Well, the I would best love to see us yeah. move him, move him around because as we saw last year, that's where some of his best plays were. It, it also helps buy him time, you know, getting him out of the pocket and things like that. We saw, we, uh, let me put it this way. It's not that I don't have faith that fields could do a, a standard drop back and run those types of offense. More he those, can. You know, yeah, he can do it. But I, you know, based on what we've seen so far, let's do the stuff that works that we know that works that we've seen that a little bit have more confidence and then, you know, once we kind of build up, solidify the line a little bit more, then maybe we can start to become more of that, you know, standard pass heavy type of offense. But you remember, he only threw for 2,200 last year and the man got sacked a shit ton. So, yep. like, let's it's not this isn't like a complete overhaul of the roster. Well, it is, but the roster was so, so garbage that, you know, it still needs a lot of work. So I'm, I'm I hope they do that where it's run heavy. Right. I want to see that. And then get a lot of boots, a lot of RPOs, because those are easy plays for someone who ran for a thousand yards, right? Right. Keep the, make those linebackers have to make a decision. They're probably going to mess up. Fields is going to make the right choice, and you know. And now we're seeing he's actually making, you know, as 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 we saw last year, he had some issue with the easy plays. It's like, oh, if it's a impossible play, he'll make it for some reason. But like if it's like the dink and dimes and here, uh, you know, just drop offs, he wasn't doing. So I'm hoping with that now in his second year we'll see a lot more passes as well that would end up in sacks because now he's looking, okay, instead of downfield, I have someone right here for three yards. That's what the defense is giving me. Let me drop that off. So I agree with you on that. I, I hope it's more of that Kyle Shanahan office, offense, like more tailored to that because I think it'll keep fields more safe and I think it'll lead to better decision-making. At least that's my opinion. But I, I tend to agree with you. And I mean – it's not that I think Fields is going to have to run the run and shoot, but I do think it's okay for us to say out loud that there are a lot of other quarterbacks in the league that are a bit more schematically diverse than Fields. Fields is a lab-created explosive play. Like, Fields is deep throws, and when other quarterbacks like Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts can power run, Jalen Hurts can stretch run, Jalen Hurts can try to beat somebody in the open field and get the edge. And in doing all of these things, Jalen Hurts could get you four to seven yards. Fields is not as is not going to power run you like we saw him bowl somebody over at the goal line but unless it's for those kinds of marbles fields probably isn't going to try to run through you but the moment he gets around you he ain't getting five yards man he, he could get 15 yeah. he could get 20 yeah. he could get all of them like he is somebody who can just rip a defense open with the talent that he has 
with that said, you got to remember, like when you think of some of the best quarterbacks in the league, as far, especially timing, right? Some of the guys that get the ball out of their hands the fastest, there's this weird trait that I'm going to name some names and you guys are going to, and I'm going to see if you guys can pick up on what I'm putting down because you think about guys like Tom Brady, you think about guys like Peyton Manning, but you also think about guys like Mac Jones. You think about guys like Nick Foles. You think about guys like Matt Ryan. You think about guys like, oh gosh, I, I can think of more, but is it, the word unathletic. Sorry. Yes. I don't know it's a survival <laughs> instinct. Get, yeah. Getting the ball out on time for Derek Carr, especially after his leg injury was the difference <clears> between taking another massive hit from a 300 pound person or not taking that hit and getting praise for it because the offense is able to pick up some yards with a guy like fields. I would be shocked if he had the sense of timing to run a West coast offense, that would be completely different from what they or from what he did for years at Ohio state. And he's been keeping plays alive his entire life. Why would he throw the ball? Right. Like, yes, of course, he wants to throw the ball to pick up extra yards. But Justin Fields holding on to the ball is a better play than Mac Jones ever could envision holding on to the ball. It's a it's a very bizarre feedback loop. When you look at a guy like Fields and you see that play that he made against the Lions, the first one, uh, like the first Lions game on that third down when he didn't throw the ball to Darnell Mooney, which admittedly Mooney was pretty covered, maybe 18% completion percent or like chance of a completion if we're being really kind. And instead, Fields veered to his left, drew two defenders, veered to his right, drew two more defenders, beat all of them in the open field, and then crashed through the goal line or through a man at the goal line to score. That is a play that I mean, very literally maybe one other quarterback in this league could make maybe Lamar Jackson could do it. Yeah, I don't think Jalen hurts could do it. I don't think Josh Allen could is do Lamar. It. Is he getting over the goal line there though? Oh, Lamar hits you know, La- Lamar. So? Lamar oh, yeah. throws his shoulder. Yeah. Like he's got extras. Like, I mean, he, he hits like a train. <laughs> Dave, I I will never understand it. How how Lamar's how big is he? Uh, He's six three, right? Six two. Is he six three? He he hits He's pretty tall. He hits like he's laying everything on the line. To put it really nicely, um, Justin Fields plays quarterback like he's played quarterback at quarterback camps growing up his entire life. Lamar plays quarterback like he learned it, or like he learned it just playing ball. And all the trimmings that come from that, and I, it just makes for a different game. But the point Dude, being, yeah, Lamar is six two two thirty. I didn't oh realize God. he was that big. <laughs> yeah, two thirty. I mean, that's bigger than the fields. And you see it on some of those third downs and fourth downs. He will run a run a guy over. But the point being that Fields doesn't. Fields hasn't learned that he has to throw the football. Like, he's got quarterback coaches telling him that he has to throw the football. But the actual survival, like, biomechanical feedback loop keeps kind of telling him, no, you don't, dude. (laughs) Like, you can run. It's fine. (laughs) And so I think that there's there's a lot of learning that's going to go into Fields' career. We should see fruits of it this year because it's his second year in the offense. We better. he does have weapons that should get open to his degree of openness. And now he's got to be a little more accurate throwing the football. Yeah. I love fields. You guys love fields. There are a lot of quarterbacks that are putting the ball exactly where receivers want them. Fields was actually pretty good about giving receivers a catchable football, but they probably, they had to jump for it. 
they had to lean for it. They had to go down to the ground for it. Well, we and saw that maybe, this week. We saw yeah. that this week with that screen, right? I mean, great, right. great play. Got the ball, but I mean, he did throw it backwards and low. So, I mean, am yeah. I too concerned? No, but because exactly. you have someone like DJ Moore, if you're going to do that it, that's his team, first. That's his first pass the game too, though. Like he's it. just second. Second oh, because he had the screen to fullback. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. He had the card blocking. <laughs> hey, still second. It was nothing but game. screens <laughs> or oh, flats, flats and, and screens. Yeah. That was hilarious. And I don't care because when I look at a screen like that, I mean it's a tunnel screen, so happenstantially, Fields kind of gets lucky, right? Because had it been a swing screen, yeah, you can't throw backwards on those. You've completely killed the momentum of the play. But on a tunnel screen, the wide receiver's trying to work back into the middle of the field, so Braxton mm-hmm. Jones has to go block the linebacker that's uh, on his way time. there. And that is such a hard block that more standing still unintentionally shaves the angle down and makes Braxton's block a little bit more possible. So you could yeah. even argue that more wasn't going to go anywhere in the first place for That's a, a great minute. point. And maybe and he was trying out. to throw it. I mean, obviously not low. No way. Maybe he was. Fields' <laughs> body language looks like a bowler that shanked <laughs> one, right? Like he's yeah. leading with it. Fields doesn't like his own throw. I'm saying that it's easy to over-scrutinize a lot of these things, and then you go watch anybody else's tape. And, yeah, you get some of these plays where Joe Burrow has stapled the ball right on Jamar Chase, but you get a lot of other plays where the broadcast showed the quarterback throwing to a wide-open receiver, and that's great because on the All-22, you realize the receiver had been standing there for like two full seconds just waiting for the football because it was not thrown in stride. Nobody cares. Half the time, we really only do this when we when we're criticizing the quarterback, right? Like we're gonna pick apart Mitch Trubisky's ball placement with Fields. I tend to think that, honest to goodness, like I tend to think that Fields, his whole bit right now is that he's pulling an extra defender out of the run fit, out of coverage, out of the pass rush, one defender minimum has to account for Justin Fields' legs on every single play. That's going to create extra space. Extra space creates more room for error. And I could care less whether Fields is hitting guys perfectly in stride. I don't know if it'll be as important as the 15, 20-yard chunks that Fields could pick up with a ball that's, I mean, as long as it's not low, something that maybe Darnell Mooney has to stop for it, but then he can start moving again afterwards and pick up plenty of yards after catch. Fields is, I think, a whole new thing. Like, it's fun. Let's have fun with this. He's the most extreme version we've ever seen of this Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson quarterback that started rising up over the last couple years. Patrick Mahomes technically fits in this category, and Daniel Jones does too. The dual threat quarterback, the true, like the true athlete better than other athletes on the football field. It hasn't really been a thing. Like, you've seen the Randall Cunninghams, you've seen Michael Vicks, but they've been treated like the exception. There's, like, yeah. seven of these guys in the NFL. McNabb, right? maybe. Uh, maybe but, Donovan. McNabb before he got yeah. older. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You, you Like, you see some of it, but then yeah. people, people color cast it uh, and make it seem like it's just one specific type of player. And then guys <laughs> oh, like... Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I know. Then you get guys like <laughs> Allen and Daniel Jones who who fit into this mold too. And it's I don't know how Daniel. Sorry, not to not to go on a not to knock you off here. Gucci but said I don't not know how Daniel Dan- Jones. <laughs> yeah, I was saying the same thing. I don't know how Daniel Jones. That is the most athletic, unathletic quarterback I have ever seen. He can book it 
Like he can Daniel book it, Jones. but then he can trip over his feet. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> he picked up 650 yards rushing last year. Like oh, he, he 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 ran all over us on those bootlegs last he year. He did <laughs> all over us. Had Brisker and, looking left and right. And so you end up with this player, right? Like not just Fields, but like this archetype for a quarterback that Jordan Love doesn't fit into that for better or for worse. Jordan Love is much more like all the quarterbacks we've ever seen in the NFL. But how many of those quarterbacks are at the top of the league right now? Like if we were going to classify pocket generals at the very top of the league, it's Joe Burrow. It's yeah, Burrow. Dak Prescott. It's mm-hmm. um, pro- I don't need Justin Herbert. We're going to technically count him. Like cousins, maybe he's kind of a hybrid. Yeah. Kirk cousins is probably in there, but you have a lot of these guys at the top of the league that are this dual threat attitude. They're all a little more consistent. than fields is, but that's what I think is going to make this 2023 bears offense. So fun because fields is legs are more dangerous than all of their legs. Like not on, on the down to down. Nobody scores like Justin Fields does like fields can end you immediately. But the other guys have been slightly better quarterbacks to this point, and that's okay. We should be we should feel feel like we can say that with our chest, right? Yeah, I go. I, I do the baseball analogy with him. I feel like Fields is the guy that goes up there and gets you like forty homers, right? But he strikes right. out like his batting average is like two hundred five. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right? right? And you're like, wait a minute. It's like, do I want that or do I want someone who's hitting two ninety eight that hit twenty home runs but gets on base? You know. A lot. He's giving me a lot of triples, a lot of doubles, singles, things like that. And I'm so glad you brought that up because the whole argument I'm making is I think there are a lot of people that are going to want Fields to hit 330 while keeping the 45 homers. And I'm saying I think Fields could hit 265, 270, and still win MVP. And if the offense can't function with a quarterback playing like that kind of hitter, what are we doing? And I think they'll be right? Lamar, what? in essence, Lamar, when he won his MVP, it was kind of like he hit 250, you know what I mean? But he had like 30 mm-hmm. dingers, you know? Yeah. And that he, seems, he that had a seemed lot. to work out. Yeah, he had <laughs> a lot of dingers. So it, but it's sweet. Like it it should be fun. And there should be a lot of moments like this. The weird part that's getting caught in the wash is the idea that defenses are gonna pack the box and stuff on the edge is gonna be open in a way that's going to make people that aren't paying attention or at least aren't following fields as long form journey that it's going to make them cock their head and say, why is that so easy? Like that actually should happen a decent amount, probably not 50 yard touchdowns. Like that's hilarious that there were two wild in the same game, but 15 yard gainers like second and second and 12 plays where the bears pick up a first down and the other, the opponent or like the opposing fans are like, why are we making it so easy? For them, that kind of stuff should happen. Fields is going to draw a lot of attention. The guy scored 25 touchdowns on an awful team. Like, he he was the (laughs) offense, and now there are other threats. So it should be really, really fun to watch. I just don't think – I think that there are a lot of people out there, even to this day, that look at Fields and they look at the fact that on that screen call to Justin Herbert, Fields took probably too much time like being honest that or he evaded the pocket or like he evaded the rush very, very easily looks yeah, like a natural right doing here. it. The yeah, offensive right. line probably needs to either pay more attention or know their quarterback well, a little bit better. What do you think about Herbert here? Cause I watched this like three or four, like maybe yeah. 40 times actually. Does he make contact? Have you seen, you've watched this clip, seen every angle. Does he make right. contact Herbert? 
to slow yeah. that guy down. He's so he's not trying to <laughs> believe uh-huh. it or not. He's he's running a screen. So he's what Herbert is trying to do on a play like this is get as close as he can without affecting his ability to get out. Because the mm-hmm. closer he gets on a play like this, the more the defense is going to react to, oh, this is clearly a screen. Be- when he steps up like he's picking up the blitz, he's basically burying the fact that it's a called screen and catches right. a break that way. But like you're saying, it flushes him out of the pocket. A lot of people would look at uh, a lot of people would look at that play, Dave, and they would say that pump that you saw right there, the yeah, fields just needs to flick the ball into space and right there. and take a hit. Exactly. Yeah. Fields doesn't do anything wrong. <laughs> like he it, trusts in, his likes. That's it. He just the the offensive line needs right to there though. Like the, he holds on to that ball just a little bit longer. Oh yeah, probably in stripped. It's it's less about the strip and more about the illegal downfield. I actually yeah. I went and watched this play a bunch because I thought it was legal at first. I don't think it is. The ref definitely no, gives. <laughs> I thought I saw a comment on this because I saw your comment. I was like, oh, you know, that does look like a legal blocking downfield. But I thought I saw someone say that since the ball was behind the line of scrimmage, yeah, those it was also me. Lie. And I'm wrong. Okay. That's a high school and college rule. In the NFL, okay. it's not a thing. So uh, otherwise it would be. That I, I was ready for that. And then it was like, oh, no. It's not a thing. Well, it looks like and so, it looks like the referees are already in regular season forms. Then, <laughs> well, I mean, referees. You gotta. The other thing worth remembering: the positive for the Bears' offense, referee or er, the league loves offense. So things like do. illegal man downfield, they're like, not gonna call that if they don't have to. You're gonna get lenient stuff, but it can't be blatant, and this borders on blatant, especially, especially since, if, yeah. Yes, especially like I, I view it as well as like in the NBA when like, you know, some of the star players, they don't they automatically get calls because obviously they love offense and these are the right. star players. So so if we start seeing more of these, I almost feel like it's a tip of the hat off to be like, OK, the NFL is kind of starting to see fields as this guy, because because so far what we've seen is like this man could get folded in half like a lawn chair after yes. throwing the ball and there's no flag at all. The man could be carted off. So. You know, hope I don't know if that's this case. It's probably not, but it will be. It is something interesting to notice throughout the season if we start to see more of that. Where it's like, oh, that should have been a flag, but they kind of let that go, like how they treat some of these other star quarterbacks. Hundred percent, and I can't help but think that the easiest way to mitigate this, like the offensive linemen, should just run flatter, right? Like <laughs> it, it when you have Justin Fields as your quarterback, take a glance behind, see if he actually threw the ball yet. Like, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe you can't set your offense up that way. But, like, Fields will do this a lot. And, honestly, the longer you extend a screenplay like this, oftentimes the deeper the coverage gets and the more that screen opens up. It's not an accident that Herbert catches this with a free first down, partially because Fields holds onto the ball too long. The The offensive line just can't get more than a yard downfield. And I don't think they needed to on a play like this. Run yeah. like you can run flat along the line of scrimmage. I know there's no blue line there. It's not easy. Hey, but hey, Rob, yeah. I have a question for you. And I know we're going a little late, so we'll get you out of here soon. Um now Fields, this is from that guy 44. He says, Fields, why yep. is Fields scrutinized for yak? And so all off season and even all last year, we're like everyone was like, Hey, Fields needs help. You know, the talent around him, you know, it's non existent. Now yep. he gets, you know. First preseason game, they trot him out there for, you know, two drives, and you see right away, oh, the playmakers are 
making plays. This is good. Like he doesn't have to do everything by himself. And that's, and even some of the media, are, you know, obviously kind of twisted this, you know, in a, in a weird fashion, which is surprising. But why do you think, is it just because of the, the, the two screenplays or why do you think he's so scrutinized by certain areas of the media? We're too close to this. Like I, I had to take a step back and try to yeah. look at, at look good. at this from a league wide perspective. And from a league wide perspective, you have a guy that didn't crack 150 yards a game throwing, but because <laughs> yeah. he ran for 1,100 yards, everybody wants to crown him the league's next MVP. Like the there's such a disparity between what Fields did statistically because you got to remember people aren't watching bears games right like they're seeing not like us they, sh they, <laughs> they, they shouldn't be they have seen the highlights they they've seen the highlights vicky and then they've seen seven straight choked drives like at the end of these games where the superstar did not win for a litany of reasons we could come up with all the excuses in the book i think they're valid excuses but to the casual nfl fan i actually think it's easy to to understand why they think fields is overrated so then this guy comes out and he throws two screen passes and it goes in the books as two 50 plus yard touchdowns and the story three three. writes itself <laughs> i mean like perfect quarterback rating 40-yard average, like people just <laughs> didn't, I assume anyways, people just didn't want to spend another week hearing about how Fields is going to be the MVP because yeah. of some preseason bullshit. Like, and, and <laughs> I think you're right, Rob. Like, as far as, like, MVP, for me, it's like I would love for that to happen. But it's like that is so unrealistic. Like, it, it, it's going to take a lot of – it's going to take a giant leap from Fields, and then everything is going to have to pr practically go right for the Bears to get in that spot as far as Fields being MVP. But if he just shows that he's a franchise quarterback, I mean, that that right there is good enough for me. But, like, so all the PFF, that. like the PFF, you know, tweets, the, like the media is almost setting him up for um, too much hype or, you know, even failure if he doesn't meet those high expectations. The, uh, but it is a good bet. I mean, the really funky part to me about Fields and the MVP is that I actually think Fields could win the. I'm, I'm never going to say it's easy. Fields could yeah. win the MVP. He's got so much narrative behind him that truly, I mean, what's the statistical benchmark he has to hit? Like, if he has 3,400 yards, somehow finds mm -hmm. a way to score 37 total touchdowns and also rushes for 1,200 yards in the year, he could win MVP. Will it be as impactful a season as Mahomes throwing for another 5,500 yards? Probably not, but that that won't stop him from winning MVP because there's precedent to crown somebody an MVP with those statistics. And if I've learned anything from LeBron James, I know, probably not a safe thing to say in front of a Chicago audience, but <laughs> if I've learned anything from LeBron James. It's the voters will get tired of crowning the same guy MVP over and over. So chances are Mahomes is getting it this next year. And so it like your narrative based bets that would be easy wins would be if Aaron Rodgers throws for five, uh, if Aaron Rodgers throws for 5,000 yards, he's winning again. And yep. if fields rush it, if fields, Lamar or Hertz, Hertz would be another good one or Russ, if Russ was like a statistical back. A lot of these guys could win MVP, but honest to goodness, like I have no idea how much the 4,500 total yards like would- That's a good point, John. Would equate to wins.
That that's yeah. the main thing I look at is it's like, would that many yards mean a bunch of winning? Probably because I said 37 touchdowns. And if they rush for another 11, they're at 48 touchdowns. and They're a top half offense by last year's standards. Like there's just a lot of points on the board and, and it would be hard to lose games uh, with scoring that many points. But yeah, like Dante's saying, Dante, he could lose to Mahomes. Like if if he beats the Lions in week 11 and week 14, God forbid the Bears win the division nine and eight or not like Fields going to be fourth in the MVP vote minimum, not because he even earned it. Like it's so funny because you could argue that this is a, a down year for MVP voting. Like there's no obvious win if you don't think maybe Herbert. Like maybe maybe Justin Herbert would throw for a gajillion yards and also make the playoffs or Trevor Lawrence would take that next step. But Fields has such an easy time rushing the ball. All he has to do is put up like NFL standard passing numbers. And I think people are going to like work hard for him to get it because of how bad things have been in Chicago for the last or like what he's endured in Chicago. I'm really not trying to gas everybody up and be like, Phil's going to be the MVP. The season's going to rule. It, it might. It very well might. But I think the MVP part is almost separate. Does that make sense? Like the MVP yeah. part could just be emblematic of the fact that this is an offense. Okay. Okay. Here's a good way to put this. We've all played video games before, right? Have we all played Madden? Have you played oh, it yet? Oh, yeah. I got it download. It came out today. Oh, you did? And, yeah, and I'm, did. all I've heard is server issues. <laughs> yeah, well, it was it was nothing but server issues but oh, so uh, <laughs> you, you, have you ever created a character and then of you course. happenstantially run your entire offense through your character because <laughs> of course. you want to set no one else is getting the ball yeah no one else right. is getting the ball yeah justin field's offense in this next year is going to be run through him way more than most players like him josh allen i don't even know Technically hurts. They they have hurts run the ball a lot. Uh, those three guys are going to get some of the most usage with or like in the NFL. Let me see another point. Uh, how people are going to say he's not doing anything or he's carried by his players. He, yeah, exactly. Right, that guy. I did say that. <laughs> Where it's like the moment that Fields passes the ball to somebody and that they do something and pick up free yards, people are going to realize how many of these quarterbacks have been picking up free yardage for their entire lives. Quick screens. like well, the, basic, the Chiefs were number one last year, right, with Yak? Yes. Also, not all Yak is created equally. Like a yeah. dump-off screen looks easy. Mahomes sniping somebody on an over route that becomes a 35-yard touchdown <laughs> looks hard. And, and so a lot of this is eye test, man. A lot of this is people trying to find the words to say Fields doesn't look like as good of a or as commanding of a football thrower as guys like Justin Herbert. And I think the real answer is to look those people in the eyes and say, it doesn't matter. He's currently the most electric athlete in the NFL. And as much as people may want to make that not matter, as much as people may want to try to say, well, yeah, but compare him to Mac Jones. Mac Jones can't do what Justin Fields can do. And defenses won't treat Mac Jones like what or like they're going to treat Justin Fields. That is the entire goal, isn't it? Like the goal is to win games. But extrapolating from there, the goal is to score points. The Bears were lighting up the scoreboard with a terrible team and a terrible offensive line because they ran the offense through Justin Fields and defenses couldn't guy. figure out what to do with it. Like this guy right here. It's 
it is so much easier to to beat this argument, I think, than we are making it because we are making it about well, at Ohio State, Justin Fields is an incredible quarterback. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Justin Fields is the first quarterback ever to score three 50, 50 plus yard runs. He's in his career. He's also the first yeah, quarterback ever to score three 50 plus yard runs in a season. He's also the first quarterback ever to score two 50 plus yard runs in a, in a season. Game. This has oh, never yeah. been done. Yeah. Like Fields had four or Fields had two touchdowns called back, one touchdown against Detroit. He didn't finish a or like a long run against Philly that doesn't count because it didn't end up in the end zone, and a long yeah. run against Washington that didn't count because it so didn't close. end up in the end zone. This has never been done. And and to suggest that it has is to miss the point. Like it, he is a whole new thing. He's a whole new thing. The NFL hasn't seen a quarterback this extreme before. And mm-hmm. him being a stellar football thrower, I don't even know if he has to be. Like, I think he has to hold water as a football thrower. Like, get the ball. We saw the one the play in camp, right? The the snag by DJ Moore. He misses. He misses DJ Moore high. And DJ Moore reaches back and catches it anyways, doesn't break stride. Are you talking is that is that the early clip from like the beginning of preseason or right. uh training camp? Yes. Gotcha. The one, the one where on the slant you see Moore sky all the way backwards for the ball, pull it down yeah. and uh and run it in anyways. Fields doesn't have to be this like perfect, perfect player, I don't think, from the pocket. Because what he's going to do to defenses should change all of the calculus. Let me see. Hang on, Tiffany. I've got you. And then while you're looking that up, uh, Dave did give us, David gave us a super chat. So thanks for the entertainment tonight, gents. We appreciate it, Dave. Or David. Sorry about that. I'm so used to calling our David and Dave. So yeah. It's confusing. (laughs) Good name. Mm hmm. Tiffany, I completely agree. Like Fields will be a product of the Jordan rules while they worry about his running. It should open up for his passing. That is exactly my argument. And like what John said, Fields ran for a better yards per attempt than most quarterbacks threw for. Like this has never been done. And it, it we are in uncharted territory and us Bears fans, for better or for worse, get to be on the cutting edge of whatever football has next. Like it's, oh, I'm so excited. It's neat. It's, so it's weird, but it's neat. <laughs> and it's weird. Yeah, we have never had a quarterback this exciting ever. Cutler, maybe ish, but even still, like I, this, the potential of Fields is, especially since we've been deprived of anything that's been oh, yeah. somewhat decent in this position. Fields is like the Messiah coming down, being like, "Yo, follow the light." Like, and, it, and if he, if he, if things go right. He will have a statue like the Messiah and and, and uh, Rio. So I wouldn't be. It's just exciting that we even have like the opportunity to see this high potential like play out. Yep. And to me, the best part is weirdly enough, I thought Colin Cowherd hit the nail on the head. Like the more the Bears can put Fields in a position where he doesn't have to be a superhero, the stronger those superhero moments are going to be because you can choose when to take it out of the box instead of begging Fields to make nothing into something you can intentionally set up situations i'll give you guys a mental picture i'm not trying to give any goosebumps but if on second down right second and four the bears line up in 11 personnel and then they you see fields like snap or like hard count from the shotgun 
and then lean in and call for an adjustment. And suddenly the running back, let's say it's Roger Johnson, splits out. And Kmet, who was nubbed up on the line of scrimmage, he splits out. Now you're an empty, right? So not only does Fields have the ability to read the or not only does Fields have the ability then to see the defense really clearly because empty sets make it very obvious what the defense is doing in coverage, but Ficky, the like five guys downfield means tons of running room. So you're creating against a four down rush more than likely. You're forcing the opponent to spy. And if they don't spy, Fields is going to take it and he's going to run for a score. Or first down, maybe. But good luck taking him out, right? Yeah. Many have tried. A few have gotten him. He's That's why I can't wait to – I can't wait for third downs and when they're in man coverage. I don't know how often we're going to see that. But those lanes are going to be crazy open unless they have a spy. And it's still – I don't know what spy is going to be able to catch <laughs> Fields. And, so. And see, it's so funny because I look at this and Vicky, I'm going to say something so stupid. One of my favorite things <laughs> the Chiefs do, it, it, it's it's brain dead. This is unplug your brain. But one of my favorite things that the Chiefs do is that they just don't wait for third down. Like they pull out all the stops on first and second down so that they never have to deal with the pressure of third That's down. Great. Think about how many of these Chiefs drives went first, second, first, first, second, first, first, second, touchdown. And, and it's like, I hope the Bears do that. Like, I hope the Bears yeah. take advantage of the fact that on every neutral down where the run is possible, their offense has way more options than what they can do on third downs. Don't go to third if you can avoid it. Like, hey, that's what we saw. I mean, that's literally what we saw this preseason that people were complaining about. It was, uh, what, first, second, touchdown. They, they, went, first er, touchdown. they did it on second down <laughs> for a reason. Yeah. It's because yeah. with Herbert where he was, the Bears were threatening a bash read option run, and then they opt or they kicked it out to DJ Moore. It the first two steps that the linebacker took, you can go back and look if you want to, were in towards the like in towards fields. Like the linebacker that Braxton Jones needs to get out and block. His first two steps, he takes two steps towards Justin Fields, just in case the Bears are running the ball. That's the whole point. Like the, the whole point of the bears offense is to suck you into the box so that they can stretch the edge. And they've got a guy like DJ Moore and also Darnell Mooney. He's fast too. Like uh, that can punish you even on short little throws, like what we saw just this last weekend. And, and I mean, I hope it's that easy. I hope fields throws for what is he on pace for on a 30, 30 pass game. He's on pace for like 24,000 yards and 400 touchdowns. Uh, or something like that. Like, I hope it's that easy. Probably won't be that easy. But the well, Bears really do have the bones to flesh out a healthy, healthy offense. And it's amazing what you can do with a healthy offense in the NFL. And I just hope the defense can get enough stops. Like, I would love, truly, to have at least three or four just blowouts this year. Oh, like, no doubt. No doubt. And I think the defense will help that out because there was really within that span where we were putting up like 35 or 30 for like the four games. The problem was the defense was also giving up like 30. So if the defense can start to kind of hold its own a little bit and we can keep that up, obviously, like that'd be great to see. I don't I don't like close games, even when we win. I don't. I, <laughs> you know, let's go 50-0 every game. I don't care. You know what I mean? So um, and then before we go on here, uh, Dante. Uh, say great episode love your guys content thank you for the super chat we really do appreciate it we love 
love hopping on here talking content we're so happy to have rob on here who actually robert who actually yes. knows tape more than we do so make sure to go over to his channel rob what is that channel it's robert schmidt's nfl yeah it's obviously i honestly the best gotcha. film um best film breakdowns yeah, uh just follow the Chicago papers um yes, and i think it's it's there. growing rapidly too right rob you mm -hmm. i think it's competition man hey that's the hope. We just had that uh, the Jordan Love breakdown, which I think so is really cool. Broke the like, internet. <laughs> so many Packers fans got so angry. Uh, the, the, the impressions on your tweet was like over a million. I was yeah, just was like, what the Far heck, and away. Man. Far and, it, and away. The most and then the guy, the guy who was the most like probably down to earth, chill, was Peter. Uh, I don't even know. It's Bukowski. Ironically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ironically. And he had a great, you know, great take on it. And then, fair is fair, I think is what he said. Yeah. Like he it, it was a fair a take. Yeah. I mean, his follow-up <laughs> tweet, I mean, I already told you, Rob. I was like, eh, I don't know about that one. I was <laughs> off a little bit. You know, he's back to Pete again. But everyone else was like just kind of, you know, lining you up. I was like, my gosh, I thought it was pretty fair. I get you know? a couple, I, I get enough of those and I mute it no matter what it yeah. is. Like yeah. uh, whatever, whatever take I put out, and I, I get enough heat on it, I just mute it. And so I I don't know what some of the Packers fans said. I saw somebody, I, I saw it like pop up on my phone. So I would love to be terminally online. I am not. Uh, and so I posted that tweet and got so many notifications. And at one point, somebody was like, oh, man, we are killing him in the replies. And all I thought to myself was I was like, see, I am not reading any of them. So no, I, I know it's too you. many. <laughs> like you guys are so upset and, and I haven't read anything that you wrote and I'm not going to now, but it's, it's so funny. Cause like, okay. Between us, between us friends, week one is pretty much my Super Bowl. Like I'm not going to turn on fields until worst case scenario week yeah. five or week six, but daggum win week one, win six games good season anything else is extra credit i have low standards here just <laughs> beat do. the pack we won three games we won three games <laughs> i just want to see i just want to see fields be that guy like he doesn't have to be mvp just i want to know going into the next year that i don't have a mitch trubisky you know what i mean like just <laughs> I like just i feel know. comfortable so last year Ficky, i told people they were delusional when they said i want fields to be good and for us to lose as many games as possible. And I said, mm -hmm. how do those two things happen at the same time? They don't. And, they and lo and behold, they, they kind of did. Like a as little close bit. as we were going to get. A little bit, yeah. We had to wait seven <laughs> weeks. We had to wait seven weeks, though, for the good to kick in. We managed. The first, we managed I'm not mad about it. I'm happy for it. But we managed you know, we a 10-game really losing streak. And we scored wow. 28 points five weeks in a row. And lost like, all of them. That's amazing. Lost all of them. That's like that's unbelievable. <laughs> and got the first so round many, picks, so many things to had to go wrong. So many things. Oh, so, go I, right. Yeah, even even other teams helping us out. Like right. the Colts game. You go fourth down, you make this wild catch that should have been knocked, and then go for two and get it to win. Like, come on. Wow. You're right. Wow. This and, is off topic. I, I yeah. we need to get your numbers up because this cannot be your most viewed video right now. Is it love one? Is, is it the most viewed right now? Love it for sure. I mean, oh it's like God. I have what thirteen videos and two of them yeah. are shorts. Like I, true. I'm fine. Like the love one is it's Let's doing run this I, one up, Yannick. <laughs> well, you got to remember that I I'm I'm gonna work on 
basically everything I just said about fields, I'm going to condense into a video. Like that because it's interesting. Everybody keeps trying to make fields a thrower. We keep trying to turn him into Mac Jones. He isn't. We should stop acting like he's going to be Lamar. I, Mm -hmm. I love Lamar. Like I've really turned the more film that I've started watching Lamar. Lamar is a better pure thrower than fields and fields should have better passing numbers than Lamar did in his MVP season because it's rough out there in Baltimore. Like they don't like throwing the ball. They won't get him any receivers. It's, it's the Chicago problem, but it's magnified point being that fields fields may be, let's put it this way. Okay. This is the most aggressive way I can say it, but really chew on this. Say fields was about as good a thrower, maybe a little bit better, right? Than like a Tim Tebow type. Like, let's get really ridiculous with it. But he's the best athlete in the NFL. How bad a quarterback is that? Like, really chew on it. Because I think it's better than people keep thinking it is, right? Like, the this what if Fields is a quarterback? That all he's really going to do is be a good enough thrower to take advantage of the extra cushion that his legs provide. Well, that is good enough. You know, like you don't have to do Josh Allen's 360 pirouette frozen ropes for touchdowns. And even when he does, he's throwing to Stefan Diggs. Fields got DJ Moore now. If he's going to do it, we're going to see it now. But I don't know. I just, I've started to think that Ficky, people will say, I just want to see Fields throw for 4,000 yards. And I'm like, that would be up there with greatest quarterback seasons ever. Because you know he's not running for less than 700. So... If he threw for four K on top that's of that, crazy! Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's a that's a high bar to hit. That's why I was like, especially coming from twenty two hundred the year before, the man right. doubled and still ran for that much. Oh, he'd be MVP immediately. We'd, we'd right, and we probably it probably led to like twelve wins, and if not more, and, oh, which is a oh lot to go from three to twelve, which would be the biggest jump of you, a win margin. In NFL history. So we're asking for records to be broken again. So Anthony, highlight Anthony's tweet. Because Anthony, I I think this is important. You're right. The problem is PFF changed it the year afterwards. Like retroactive. So Fields, if you look up any any draft article, they're going to say Fields is the most accurate quarterback PFF's ever tracked. And he he was. Uh, The year after that, they went back and realized that they were waiting intermediate and deep throws too high on the accuracy train and punishing too little for missing on short throws fields played at ohio state like he did uh like like we've seen him play in chicago where short throws were iffy those were where he missed but deep throws were money and in ohio state and within pff's grading scale they realized that there was a bit of a loophole that they had to fill when they filled it fields fell to just below average in accuracy. And if you look at his completion percentage over expectation mm. in the last two years, that's about, well, actually, Fields has been disgustingly low. Don't go look that up. But if you look at Lamar, that's where Lamar has hovered, where Lamar has been. So completion percentage over expectation is, um, let me see, it's uh, the, the formula for it is basically math determines the expected completion percentage, and then they take your actual completion percentage and they measure it against each other. So, Lamar usually hovers around negative 2%. Uh, so 2% difference between completion and expected and just a little below there. Uh, but that's about where I think fields will be. Thank you. And Dave, like 
wouldn't surprise me if he's in that just a little below average for the rest of his career. And if he's opening up space, it won't matter. And he'll be hitting enough of the deep throws that we just won't care. So I'm dying to know how this is all going to go. Everybody keeps chaining accuracy along with quarterbacking. And then you look at some of these other quarterbacks and it's like, it's Mahomes. Like another example, people will constantly talk and they'll say Super Bowls. You need a good quarterback that throws the ball to win a Super Bowl. And I'm like, according to what? Like Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. And a lot of the other quarterbacks that we've seen win Super Bowls recently have happenstantially also been MVPs. Like, okay, take Tom Brady and Patrick Holmes out of Super Bowl conversations. Who are we left with? We're left with Matt Stafford. I mean, is he our gold standard? for pocket pass quarterbacking, especially since he and Burrow both played pretty poorly in that Super Bowl, like as they tried to throw the ball. You eliminate so many Super Bowl winners when you just take out Tom and Pat that the answer becomes we don't really know what wins the Super Bowl other than having variables. an ultra superstar, right? But we do know what makes the playoffs. And weirdly enough, I don't know if you guys realize this, a uh, friend of mine, Quentin Crisco, known as you'll you can find his handle at Butka Stats, recently took oh, a yeah, look yeah. at uh, what happens to quarterbacks with over 600 rushing yards ever. Minimum, all they need to qualify for this list is one season of 600 rushing yards, and that list is like Steve Young, Donovan McNabb, Michael Vick. These guys win games, uh, and I think that's really interesting. To me, it says that if you are a good enough rushing threat to command defensive attention, you will more often than not be a huge boon and multiplier for your offense. And Jalen Hurts, I like to think, proved that pretty well within Philadelphia last year. uh, Josh Allen's been proving it for forever. So I can't figure out where the bottom is. Like, Fields would have to get the green light throwing the ball and throw reckless interceptions for the offense not to take a step forward. We agree on that, right? The offense oh, yeah. wasn't absolutely. The offense wasn't bad last year. Like it ended up, it was inconsistent, sure, but it ended up twenty third in the NFL. There's worse. Like the Bears weren't bottom five, despite being a horrible, horrible talent roster. The roster's better, like much better. Yeah, Cam Newton is the same Gucci exactly. Like that's I, that's what I that guy. You and I are on the same page. Like. How do people think Fields is going to get worse? <laughs> is what I'm trying to figure out. Like, it's not. It's, it's almost it's, impossible. So how much better is he going to get? I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I know, but all he's got to really do is cross the 3,000 mark passing to get people's attention while still rushing for 1,000 yards. And he rushed for 1,000 yards pretty easily. So, so I, yeah. Rob, let me ask you this. So we talk about like the talent, the influx of talent right now with this roster. Like, what more could he, the Bears have done to kind of, you know, surround him with enough to kind of answer that question after year three? Like, I don't know if there's another way they could have made this roster even better for him. They could have bought, like, two more offensive linemen. And it would have yeah. cost him in other areas, right? But if you traded yeah. Tremaine Edmonds like, for – like, if you theoretically traded – Tremaine Edmonds for Mike McGlinchey, and you still mm-hmm. drafted Darnell Wright, and you brought in like an Isaac Simolo alongside Nate Davis. So you just you just spent tons of money on the offensive line. 
then theoretically it could have been better, but like you, you can't you can't spend that much on one side of the ball. Yeah. Like not with Matt Eberflus as your head coach. But this offense, see- yeah, this defense could be sneaky good. It could get, give him the ball even more. Now, I mean, the offensive line has to stay healthy and they have to be able to kind of obviously be average, you know, in regards to his legs and everything. But what were you saying, Rob? I was saying the defense is going to be as good as the defensive line is. Like if the defensive line sucks, uh, then mm-hmm. I think the back seven is going to have trouble. But I I tend to agree with you. I mean, I think the offensive line has potential to be abysmal. But at the same time, the offensive line has potential to be okay, right? They really do. Like, if Tevin Jenkins has his first healthy season yet and Cody Whitehair looks like a stout center and Nate Davis slots in without too much issue, Reinhardt, how you doing? Uh, And Braxton Jones takes a nice step forward. Darnell Wright could be as bad as he wants to, and you're already taking a step forward in the offensive line. The question becomes like, what do they do if things get bad? <laughs> right? Like, well, but can it be know. as bad as last year? I don't. I don't think that's possible. I. I, don't, I think the the center's improved. You know, love Sam Mustafer, but I mean that's that's obvious. And then obviously Darnell Wright's a rookie. There's going to be growing pains. I just don't. Even if it is, you know, twentieth, twenty second ranked offensive line, when you factor in Fields' legs, you know, I think we talked about this. You know, on, I think we had on the pod about a month ago. But his his mobility is going to alleviate some of that pressure. It's going to make the offensive line um, work in regards to just what he needs as far as time. But it's interesting. It's interesting. It, it is interesting, and the honest truth is that I personally feel like offensive line is really hard to understand. Like that's not even just like the schematic part. It's more like tracking 32 groups of five dudes is very difficult because all of them are dependent on each other. And so you basically would have had to watch all of them individually. And it's just so hard to do. Cause like you're saying, Dave 20, what if they're 22nd in the league? What does that mean? Is it a good year for offensive line in the league? Is it a bad year? Like is 22nd passable is the bar at 18th. Not every line is not every line is good enough to be let's call it NFL worthy. So I don't know. And so I tend to think that the the best thing that we're seeing out of the Bears right now is that because they're leaning into what they're good at running the ball uh, and threatening off of it, very Shanahan style, you should see Fields. I hope throw in more neutral scenarios. Right? Last year, the real problem, if you if you can uh, excuse one like half swear is that the offensive line only dropped back to pass when they were clearly going to pass. And that got people's ass beat. Like, I mean, Braxton Jones got smoked. And I don't blame him because he got no help against pass rushers that were better than him. And they knew it was third and eight. They're passing the football. Like, they only lined up in passing situations uh, when they absolutely had to. And no surprise. They had no rhythm throwing the ball. The offensive linemen weren't ready for it, and they got smoked. Um, Within that, the Bears, they threw this quick screen on second down, right? Like, it's basic. This is nothing to tip your cap to. But if the Bears can throw more often on first and second down, that's going to make that's going to make third downs a little easier. It's not going to make third downs easier, but it's going to make those pockets better, right? Uh, One of my favorite things i was talking to a guy with pff like we're getting really deep in the weeds but do you guys remember how it. everybody you guys remember how everybody really wanted juan taylor the free agent mm-hmm. uh that played for jacksonville 
Um, I was talking to one of the guys at PFF because I suddenly realized that the true pass grade metric has a flaw in it. And the PFF guy ultimately ended up agreeing with me that that metric favors tackles that play on teams that pass in neutral scenarios. Because when Jawan Taylor drops back on a first down pass, the defensive end has to read run first. Like you right. don't get to, it's not Madden. You don't just know it's pass because the computer told you so, right? You have to check in the back of the, or in the backfield, whether or not there is a run action, like a play action, or frankly, whether, whether the running back's moving at all. Once you have identified he's not, then you can rush the passer. It's why passing on first and second down looks so easy compared to passing on third down. What's the difference? The defensive end can figure out a rush plan instead of going, oh, shoot, it's a pass rush, right? Braxton got put in so many crappy situations. His true passing grade was like a 35 for the first four weeks of the season because it's hard out there when Preston Smith knows that you're going to pass and you do, right? Um, my hope would be that the Bears have learned from this, and it wouldn't surprise me if they have. Uh, we're one preseason game deep, but they played like an offense last year that was deliberately trying to not throw the football. This year, they have too many receivers to do that. Like, Luke Getze will get summarily fired and run out of town if the Bears traded for DJ Moore, traded for Chase Claypool, and they don't use him, right? Oh, yeah, so, I'll, I'll pack his things for him. <laughs> I think everybody would. And so back it for him. little stuff like that play right there to uh, Kari Blazing game, which is actually a play to DJ Moore. Like they're expecting, if you go back a little bit and show it again, they're expecting that linebacker to play the flat and go get Blazing game and open up DJ Moore over the middle. The linebacker right. sees it coming and sticks on where DJ Moore is coming from which good job for fields to basically it's I've seen this a lot with quarterbacks where Blazing games, technically the first read, but he's the false first read. Right. And so uh, a lot of quarterbacks are fully expecting that first read to get covered. So in a sense, you get fields reading the man true and getting back to him, but watch that play side. It's not that. Uh, and that's fine. Yeah, John, that's definitely not helpful that the Bears and Fields weren't good at throwing the Horrible. ball on first and second Horrible. down. So, I mean, Fields wasn't unfortunately er, – Fields unfortunately wasn't really great throwing the ball on next to any down, if memory serves. But he does a good job on this pass. Uh, and It took you know, me a minute, Rob, but I got it. Yeah, you did. You <laughs> I'm, did. I'm learning, man. I'm learning. It, oh. It's helpful when, you're, when you've got, like, the entire tape just, yeah. like, downloaded. I, I actually have it now. I actually have it downloaded both both of them, and I don't there know why go. I haven't brought it up. So oh no, we're worries. a little late on it, but um, let's see. Yeah, man, right, Reinhardt, are you talking about Valus? Uh, no. Let's see. Oh yeah, they're talking about. So they're talking about Valus because they were talking about it up here as well. Yeah, so they're, the, basically they're talking about he's he he could get cut. It all started from Gucci Fitness, who said Valus drops the, another punt. The complex part about Velas is that he actually looks like an okay offensive weapon, which I think sounds would sound ridiculous. Like a like, gadget player. So I don't blame any of you guys for thinking that that sounds ridiculous. But he had that third down catch where he actually looked like he knew how to run a route. He drew a DPI on a slant where he probably should have broken it off a little faster. But all the same, you're creating a play. But like you're saying, Reinhardt, you can't. You can't muff one-third of your punts ever in the NFL and expect to get rostered. So there's a push-pull here where the moment you make Valus justify himself as 
not a special teams player, but like a blocker and an offensive player, it gets <laughs> it gets hairy. And Jeremy, I got bad news. EQ is absolutely staying. Like, yeah. um, he's no question. too he's too helpful a blocker, and the Bears <laughs> seem to love him. Uh, I mean, they extended him, right? Technically, well, it is at one year. year. Yeah. Okay. It is an extension, but they gave him a year. Uh, But so that guy, I don't blame you. That's the thing. Like, Valus Jones' mistakes have been so um, important. (laughs) Almost literally all of them. Like, they're taboo, too. Like, you don't muff punts. The Simba Webster can catch a punt. And the guy, like, floats between the practice squad and the active roster And he has for like three years. Like you can't muff punts and be serious, right? Like Valus Jones is this incredibly unserious player that is also way bigger than he should be and way faster than his size suggests he is. And that's where you you end up with the whole like, is the juice worth the squeeze thing, right? And I'm curious to see what the Bears are going to do because I don't think it's easy. Uh, Like right now, Valus looks like he's, living inside his own head i can't believe he mm-hmm. let two two punts bounce let that tyler scott pressure is getting to him <laughs> must be like yeah exactly reinhardt like a bad muff off a bounce what are you yeah, doing is it yeah, exactly let, uh, yeah neither of them should have been bounced he should be able to catch both of them or you let the, if you're gonna let the second one bounce let it bounce all the way back then like dude you don't catch off the bounce you catch off the bounce when you have a lot of space in front of you right i think it was hoag um adam hoag he was talking about you know special teams he's he's loves special teams he's obviously a special teams coach i think at carmel and it's like we don't want a guy back there that can just catch it like dante pettis like we were just like we needed someone who could just catch secure the ball and not muff it and right now going into this year we want someone who can kind of be dynamic and valis obviously has when he has the ball in his hands like you said robert he is kind of like a weapon and so if he could just figure it out, which I don't know if he's going to get another shot. I really don't. No, I, think um, it's okay. I don't know. And then can Tyler Scott do it? I mean, he, he didn't muff any, you know. What so. I think what I think is really weird is you hit this point, in my opinion, where if, let's say, Valus gets six more punt, like, punt return opportunities throughout the rest of the preseason, he catches all of them, he even cracks off a 35-yard return, Right. Some people go out there, they write articles. They're like, it's over. It's fixed. Valus Jones works now. Uh, Other people (laughs) write articles that are doubtful. And then two games go by and Valus catches all his punts. Again, another good return. And then he comes back on the third game. He muffs a huge one. And the Bears give up a touchdown on account of it. The special teams coach will look like a buffoon that he had to put him out there. And like, if, in my opinion... That Valus muff was so bad that if you put him out there, you are begging for at least another muff punt. And I don't think you can play a punt returner that you know is going to eventually muff a punt. It like no, like you said, Ficky, you cannot play a punt returner and not muff punts. It's like, like it's like a ticking time bomb. You just know at some point he's gonna fuck up again. Excuse me, but like it's it's about to happen. We've seen it too many times. I can't. Right. I'm gonna have anxiety anytime I see him on the field with a punt. You There's just simply no way you're alone. There's simply no way the Bears don't share that concern. They invested a third round pick. They are going to try their best. 
to get, to get value them. out of him. And I mean, Valus Jones was one of the main blockers that set up Khalil Herb. I think it was Herbert's screen. Like he got downfield and threw his DB out of the play. So maybe they'll make the argument that he's rosterable as a gunner on punts, a teamer, and uh, <laughs> like, etc. This John comment's funny. If the defense is terrible, we don't have to worry about punts. Yeah, that's that's one way to spin the needle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah. Just let them score every time. We won't have to worry about putting someone back there. And Anthony, that's the thing. I mean, when you're talking about an NFL quarterback, I completely get where you're coming from, but near every quarterback is going to have these moments of divine accuracy. Fields' uh, aggression is to be praised, and some of the balls that he fit against Pittsburgh are really outstanding. But we've also had enough nasty misses that if you need me to go through and cite them, I can. But they're oh, there. We'll be here forever. <laughs> none of us, none of us need to relive them. That's not the point, right? It's more to say, like the way I would put it is, I think on the whole, Fields is a er, Fields is a thrower that is accurate enough to put the ball in a playable position. I don't see Fields fan it near as often as I see a lot of quarterbacks fan it, especially at the intermediate and the deep level. But we also haven't seen a lot of opportunities. Like, this is a big year to change all kinds of narratives. All kinds of narratives, one way or another. Because it's one of his first healthy offensive schematic years. But we'll see what happens. I've been here an hour and 45 minutes. I've got to drop. Dude, <laughs> Rob, we appreciate you hopping in, man. Seriously. Thank you guys so much. You guys Absolutely, have a great Thank you, Robert. I appreciate Obviously, it. Robert, um, you can follow him on Twitter. Rob, you want to go ahead and plug yourself before you head out of here, man? Yeah, sure. Find me on Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz. Find me writing for DeBear's blog functionally every day and on YouTube at Robert Schmitz NFL, where we do a lot of tape study and we talk about the Bears a lot. Thanks so love much, it, guys. Thanks, Always Rob. Love we appreciate it. See ya. All right. Thank you, man. Well, thank you, man. I think, like I said, we have, what, almost two hours here? Yeah, that's definitely is, our uh, longest show ever, oh, yeah. I mean, which I'm not mad about. We have we basically had like 60 people in here, a lot of comments, which we really love and appreciate. Thank you guys for hopping on. It's like almost 1 a.m. where I'm at, but like I'm not even mad about it. I think that was great stuff to have Robert on. I would love to try to get him on. I know weekly might be tough, but like well, anytime we can break down film, like that'd be great. I think, yeah. I think well, people I, like I think we were that. talking in our group chat, Ficky. We're, we're going to try to do like, you know, tape Tuesdays, something, you know, taco Tuesday, but tape Tuesday, something like yeah, that. Yeah, no, just I think to it's great. Have a late night where we just kind of go over the film. Obviously, it's going to be a little bit more fun when the regular season gets here. It's just going to be the games are more meaningful. The snaps, you know, we'll be able to look at a lot more um, and just kind of have more fun with it. But, Rob, we appreciate you hopping in, man. Ficky, you want to say anything before we head out? No, let me just go through these last comments. I want to make sure everyone oh, yeah, gets their shine here. So, Okay, it's can, a good yeah, shows from I'll Gucci. We appreciate longer. that. It's funny. Yeah. And then Fields was a pure thrower with both receivers and on uh, O-line that were Menig Monk's boys. Needs to be consistent. Uh, and then Jeremy here, what did you think about Travis on Saturday? We kind of talked about that earlier, but um, even Robert said like he was playing for his life. And so that looked good. But we got to see what it looks like against like better competition. John said, great show. We appreciate that. Uh, yeah, and then Gucci followed up with saying Gibson was balling because he was. Uh, Richard said, see you guys. Travis was a man on a mission. And then Dark Wolf said, great show. So appreciate all that. Also, another one here. <laughs> great, great show. We appreciate hey, it. Man. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate all the positive comments. Uh, we uh, Again, shout out David and Dante for the super chats. 
Uh, we yeah. appreciate those as well. We love coming here and just making content for you guys. We're just two and, fans that like to fan out with y'all. So we really do appreciate that. Go ahead. Yep. Yeah, and this is this is our first live stream, like where we just go over the tape. So it will get better um, as far as just kind of bringing up the clips. This is something we kind of just thought last minute. We were, we talked to Rob and we ran literally it by this him. morning. <laughs> yeah, and Rob yeah, was like, yeah. absolutely. So we we appreciate him coming in and just doing it. Um, if you guys want to follow Ficky on Twitter, all socials, it's Ficky Baby. You can follow me on Twitter at Dave underscore BFR. You see the handles there. Um, you can read my articles at uh, Sports Mockery. Um, we try to get every other day, try to get an article out, of course. Um, but we'll be, we have a special interview. Um, I think we talked about it in the last pod, but we have Kyle right. Brandt. He'll be um, talking bears with us on Friday. Um, it's a really fun show. He has a lot, he has a lot of good stuff he wants to get off his chest. So he'll be here. Um, next or on friday so if you do want to you know see the episode um and you want to support the channel just go ahead and subscribe um hit that notification it, right? bell as well yeah just hit that notification bell as well so you, you you find out right away when our stuff drops especially when we have like a spontaneous live like this maybe we'll keep it consistent so you guys know like we do these every tuesday especially during the season but if you have that notification bell on you won't miss anything and you won't be late Jeremy, no, we love you, Jeremy. But thanks, everyone, uh, for joining in. And it was a great show. So appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, thank you, man. Will you get some sleep? Absolutely. I'm out of here, man. See you.